Our second scripture reading today comes to us from Psalm chapter 3. Psalm chapter 3. You can find it in your pew Bibles on page 844. 844. Psalm chapter 3, a psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom. O Lord, how many are my foes! How many rise up against me! Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. Selah. But you are a shield around me, O Lord. You bestow glory on me and lift up my head. To the Lord I cry aloud, and he answers me from his holy hill. Selah. I lie down in sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear the tens of thousands drawn up against me on every side. Arise, O Lord. Deliver me, O my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. Selah. Thus ends our reading of God's infallible word. May all who hear it find rest in the Lord. Have you ever had a sleepless night? Sounds like some of you have. You know the one I'm talking about. That that kind of night where your mind will not rest. Perhaps something happened at work. Your, Your job is in jeopardy for one reason or another. So you stay up all night long trying to figure out what your next move should be. Or maybe you are having trouble in school. You got a bad grade on an important test, and you're not sure how your parents are going to react. So there you are, awake, thinking of ways to tell your parents that won't get you in hot water. Or perhaps you're having marital issues. Either you or your spouse has done something so egregious that you're not sure how things can move forward. And so, you don't sleep. Instead, you fret and you worry, wondering if divorce is in your future. There are hundreds of reasons that people lose sleep at night. Stress and anxiety come to all of us. Sometimes it's over trivial matters, things that you look back on later on and laugh Yeah, other times, sleep is lost for very good reasons. In our scripture reading for today, the the psalmist is dealing with a situation in which a sleepless night would be expected. You see, when David wrote this psalm, he was fleeing for his life. His son Absalom had turned the hearts of the people against him. And this once beloved king was now hated by many in Israel. Absalom had taken the throne 
and David had to escape across the Jordan River. It was a time of distress, not only for David, but for all of Israel as well. The people were in disarray. Some had decided to support this new king, while others had kept their loyalty to David firm. You see, David's worry was not just for himself, but for his countrymen as well. How far would this turmoil escalate? And how many people would needlessly have to die because of it? But you want to know the the thing that really should have kept David up at night? It was the realization that he had brought about this calamity on himself. It was because of his own sin that his son Absalom took the throne. This was a punishment from the Lord for when David had committed adultery with Bathsheba and then had her husband, Uriah the Hittite, murdered. David knew that God was disciplining him. And there was nothing he could do about it. Even so, David wrote this song in response. Let's look at the first two verses, Psalm 3, verses 1 and 2. O Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. In these first words, we see David lamenting over his situation. He spoke of his enemies and how numerous they were. Three times he uses the word many, emphasizing that the the masses have turned their backs on him. And notice how, how David escalates their ferocity in each line. How many are my foes is a, is a simple statement, only communicating that these enemies exist. It doesn't speak to any action being taken, but merely to the fact that there are many who oppose David. On the other hand, how many rise up against me demonstrates initiative. These adversaries, they have gotten up. They've gotten out of their seats and moved against David. A king just doesn't, doesn't just get de- deposed from his throne unless there are many who take up their swords and direct them at the king. And finally, we see this line. Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. This is an indictment on the guilt of David. Such a claim indicates that God's anointing has left the king. That David's greatest ally would no longer fight for him. We saw something similar in our first scripture reading today. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 16, verses 5 through 12. As King David approached Bahurim, a man from the same clan as Saul's family came out from there. His name was Shimei, son of Gerah, and he cursed as he came out. He pelted David and all the king's officials with stones, though all the troops 
and the special guard were on David's right and left. As he cursed, Shimei said, Get out! Get out, you man of blood, you scoundrel! The Lord has repaid you for all the blood you shed in the household of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. The Lord has handed the kingdom over to your son, Absalom. You have come to ruin because you are a man of blood. Then Abishai, son of Zariah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over and cut off his head. But the king said, What do you and I have in common, you sons of Zariah? If he is cursing because the Lord said to him, Curse David, who can ask, Why do you do this? Then David said to Abishai and to all his officials, My son, who is of my own flesh, is trying to take my life. How much more than this Benjamite? Leave him alone. Let him curse. For the Lord has told him to. It may be that the Lord will see my distress and repay me with good for the cursing I am receiving today. In these verses, we see the state of David's soul. As Shimei threw the rocks and cursed David and his men, David received the abuse without flinching. He understood that all of this was brought about by God. So why try and thwart God's will? This was the Lord's discipline upon David's life. David was a man of blood after all. And this ruin from God was something that he needed to go through. Perhaps what would have been even scarier was if God would have left David upon the throne without any chastisement at all. I mean, a a son whose father does not punish him when he does wrong, he has to wonder to himself if his father even cares. So David would take his licks and rejoice in the fact that the Lord is still concerned about him. Verses 3 and 4. But you are a shield around me, O Lord. You bestow glory on me and lift up my head. To the Lord I cry aloud, and he answers me from his holy hill. Even though David is in the midst of God's discipline, he still trusts in God. Yahweh is still his protector. The Lord is that that shield that will fend off the blows from his opponents. The luxury of old age is experience. This, This isn't the first time that David had found himself running for his life. Before he had become king, it was Saul who wanted him dead. And as David fled from that king, the Lord looked after him, standing guard as he was hunted. This incident now with with his son Absalom was no different. His foes 
They, they may have claimed that God had left him, that God would not deliver him. Yet David knows the folly of their thinking. You see, having the Lord as your protector does not always mean that your life will go according to plan. In fact, it seems that those who are most dedicated to God, that their lives tend to be the most difficult as well. I mean, one just has to look at the apostles and their lives to figure that one out. All but one of them became martyrs for the faith. But our greatest example is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He did not live a life that was easy and free from worries. He had many enemies that rose up against him. In fact, they crucified him. David understood all of this. He knew that God's ways are higher than man's ways. And that there was wisdom to be found in suffering. And it is through wisdom that the glory of God becomes manifest. God makes himself known in his discipline. So even in his darkest struggles, David knew that God was right there with him. He, he is like that father who kneels down to his crying boy, a boy that is hurting and whose face is downcast because of the, the weight of the guilt and the shame has overcome him. And then this father, he, he puts his fingers underneath the chin of, of that boy's head and lifts it up, restoring the dignity that has been lost. This is David's God, a father who strengthens his son by bringing glory back to him. And so David would cry out to his Lord, and he knew that his father would answer him, for he was God's anointed one, his adoptive son. And what father does not give ear to his own son? It was in God that David would find his rest. Verses 5 and 6. I lie down in sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear the tens of thousands drawn up against me on every side. David's confidence in God is why he can rest. For he knows that God will answer his prayer. Instead of laying up all night, anxious and worried, vexed in his soul, trying to think of ways he can overcome his problems, he gave his troubles to God and rested in the assurance that Yahweh had the solution. You see, David understood that it was God who sustained his life. It, doesn't, it didn't matter how strong he was or how intelligent his mind. It didn't matter how great of a plan he could think up. If the Lord was not with him, he would perish. Too often, plans come before prayer. Ask yourself, 
When you are in a desperate spot in life, what do you do first? Do you try to come up with a solution right away? Or do you seek God? I wonder how many blessings are missed because people try to contrive their own schemes only to find later on that they, these schemes have been frustrated because God had his own plans. David learned to seek the Lord first. This is why he doesn't fear. Even if tens of thousands were drawn up against him, he would not be afraid. It's not that he knew a way out of his predicament. Rather, he had faith that his God knew a way out. Verse 7. Arise, O Lord. Deliver me, O my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. Here we see the words of David's petition. And it begins with an, an intense cry. Arise, O Lord. Just as the, the enemies of David, those, those many from verse 1, had risen up against him, David now calls on Yahweh to rise up in his defense. Just as those many had taken action against the king, David now wants to see the Lord act for him. Deliver me, oh my God. It was the many that said that God would not deliver David, that the Lord had left him. David cries out for vindication. He wants assurance that, that God has not taken away his anointing, that this trial that he is undergoing is a discipline of a father to his son and not abandonment. The prayer continues as David asks the Lord to humble those who oppose him. You see, striking a person in the jaw is an act of humiliation. Whether it is a slap on the cheek or a fist to the chin, often it is a person's ego that becomes more bruised than their flesh. And this, this metaphor of the breaking of teeth, it describes the weakening of an opponent. In the same way that the power of a lion or a bear would be lessened if their teeth were broken, so too David is asking God to take away the strength of his foes. And finally, we see David end his prayer like this. Verse 8. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. This deliverance that comes from God is emphasized through repetition. David had fought many battles throughout his life. He knew how things worked. In warfare, victory would only come if God was fighting the battle for them. However, if, if Israel had gone to war apart from God's command, disaster was sure to ensue. 
deliverance comes from the Lord. Lastly, we see the pastoral heart of this king. David's desire was that God's blessing would be upon the people. Once the Lord's anointed had been restored to the throne, only then would the the blessing of God rest upon the people of Israel once more. In the present situation, Israel was in turmoil. Brothers were battling against brothers, for loyalties were split, and there was no unity within the country, and therefore, no peace. David looked forward to a day when disputes could be put aside, and the blessings of God could be seen in abundance. Psalm 3 is all about trust. David had been humbled by his God, yet he still cried out to the Lord for help. And even though he he knew this was a punishment brought about by the Lord, David was relentless in his faith. He believed that God would show him both grace and mercy. You too will face dark times in your life. Maybe you already have. Times where the, the world seems out to get you, where it seems like God is out to get you, where no matter what you do, something bad is bound to happen. There are times where these things are no fault of your own. It is the the sin of others that causes your pain and distress. And then there are times, like David, when the anxiety and the stress that you feel has been brought about by your own doing. Times where God has chosen to discipline you, teaching you as a good father should. So why is it then that David can rest at night? I mean, his his own son, the boy he loved, had betrayed him and sought out his destruction. How can a man going under such turmoil and pain find any sleep? Because David knew that his God had not left him. That he would never walk alone. He understood that the the promise of his Lord was firm. Brothers, sisters, his promises are secure for you as well. As you are called to follow your Lord and Savior, you have been adopted as sons and daughters into his family. And as children of the Most High, you have a Father whose love for you is steadfast and unwavering. He is your protector and shield. He is your hope and strength. Even so, the shelter he builds for you is a refuge that is hidden from natural eyes. Look at 2 Corinthians 4. Verses 16 through 18. Therefore, 
we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting way, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. As the Lord's anointed, David's promise from God was to sit upon the throne of Israel. Your promise is not for this life, but for the life to come. So when anxieties and worries from this life rear their ugly heads, when, when fears and troubles come your way, you can look to the cross of Christ and know that your God has already settled the matter. Whatever sin you have committed, it was paid for at the cross. And whatever sin is committed against you, it is only a light and momentary trouble. You will be able to put your head on your pillow and sleep because you know that it is the Lord who sustains you. Let us pray. Father, we delight in your word. It is our source of strength, and especially when trials come our way. May we be like David. May we be a people who stand secure in you and find rest. Aid us as we look to your son, who took away all our sins as he died upon that cross. Fill us with your Holy Spirit as he reminds us of the promises that you have given to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.